0: Hello everyone, I'm Jen and welcome to another episode of Monogamish Pod. On this week's episode, I'll be talking to Evita Sawyers and Sinead Jackson Kendall about the metamorphosis. What made me want to talk about metamorph relationships on the podcast today? This is a highly requested topic. People are always DMing, asking for advice or requesting that we talk about it on the pod. And I have finally been able to pin down time in my schedule to talk to Via and Shanae about this amazing talk that they gave in 2019 about metamore relationships. I'm looking forward to hearing the conversation that we had. This was recorded a couple of weeks ago. And so some references may be dated, may not. I also had a bit of construction happening at my house at the same time. So you might hear some thumps and bumps in the background while I'm talking. Try to keep that to a minimum. Try to edit out as much as I possibly could. But some stuff had to stay. Of course, Evita and Shanae have both been guests separately on the podcast before. I will link to their old episodes in the detail show notes. And I'll, of course, put the information for where you can find them as well. Now that I'm done talking your air off... Here's the conversation with Evita and Shanae about Metamore relationships and the Metamore Bill of Rights. Today I'm Nagamish pod, I have two amazing people because, you know, three is better than two. That, that, that's where I'm going to start it at. And so both people have been on the podcast before multiple times, actually, talking about different things. Today, I have. Shane Jackson Kendall, you may have heard most recently talking about hierarchy, and polyamory, and then of course I have Evita, La Vida Loca Sawyer's, who we've spoken about her journey in polyamory. We've also talked about triad relationships in the beginning and what that was like. We've had a lot of conversations. So, hello everyone, welcome back to the pod. How are y'all doing today? Fantastic. I'm happy I'm to be here. I'm good. 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 Okay. So let's do like a brief intro so you can tell the listeners who haven't heard you before about you. Sinead, why don't you go first?
1: Okay. I am in my mid-30s here in Atlanta. I've been openly polyamorous for a little over a decade. I am loving and living polyamorously with my partners. And you can find out more about me on the Googles. If you're looking for me online, you can find me at Work With Sinead and at Black Poly Pride.
0: Right, cool, cool, cool. Vida,
2: go ahead. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Super excited to be here. I'm Avita LaVita Loca sawyers I am a polyamory educator, speaker, peer support guide, and coach. I am also a polyamory content creator. I'm the creator of today's Polyamory Reminder. I am also the subject of the uh, documentary Polylove, which uh, talks about my very first non-monogamous relationship, which was a triad with my uh, then-husband and our partner at the time. I have been non-monogamous now for about 10 years, and uh, most people appreciate my empathetic, frank, and uh, candid approach to uh, discussing all of the uh, intricacies and nuances of navigating uh, non-monogamy in a monogamous world.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's funny. So today we're talking about metamore relationships. And if you don't know what a metamore is, it's your partner's partner, like that. That's an easy description of what your metamore. And I brought two of the most frank humans in the world to talk about metamore relationships. And part of the reason why I thought of them is because at Our Black People Allowed in 2020, they did a conversation about your meta don't owe you shit and brought up the Metamore Bill of Rights, which evolved off of a presentation they did at Black Poly Pride that previous year, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I get a lot of DMs, emails asking about metamor relationships, how you handle that, toxic relationships, positive relationships. I was like, I don't know nothing. So I brought some people who have a bit more expertise than I do. (laughs) So I guess I'll start with Evita. Was it your idea to start this metamor bill of rights conversation or did you and Sinead come up with it jointly?
2: We came up with it jointly, and uh, like I was sharing uh, before we started recording, so Sinead and I met in uh, online in various Black polyamory groups that we were a part of, and initially we would sometimes butt heads when it came to having conversations about metamore relationships because at that time she was very, like, kitchen table poly was very important to her, like she was very much a pro- proponent of uh, kitchen table poly, and I was very much a proponent of parallel polyamory and noticing that there was an elevation of kitchen table poly as like the gold standard of polyamory. And if you weren't able to arrive at kitchen table poly, or if you didn't desire kitchen table poly in polyamory, that you were somehow practicing polyamory at a like lower level than people that were able to arrive at kitchen table. And I was just like, this is just not like not reflective on like my desires. I also had some difficult like metamor experiences to where I was just like, there is just no way that I'm going to have kitchen table uh, with these people and that's okay. And so we would go back and forth about that and then we developed a friendship and then over time of our polyamorous experience and getting more experiences with a variety of metamors and different people that our partners were dating and our own experiences with our own partners, our attitudes around those things began to shift, and so we would be in co- like in conversation with one another about how those things were shifting for us. And so, when it came up for us to have Black Poly Pride, and we were talking about doing a presentation together, we thought it would be good for us to have this metamorph conversation with us being these two people that almost grew towards the other person's like ideas around like metamorph relationships. And so, we felt we would be really good to have in that place because. Sinead's ideas had shifted and grown and evolved based on her experiences, and mine had done the same thing. And so we thought it would be really good for us to come together and talk about that.
1: Right. Ah. So I will say, like to piggyback off of what Evita said, the first time we discussed it publicly was in 2019. But the Metamorph Bill of Rights is absolutely the product of at least four years before that conversation that began between us four years before that. So we're looking at an eight or nine year old conversation. That we realized so many people have questions about how do I navigate metamor relationships. And ultimately, the answer is depends on what you want, right? And so we kind of have really come to my relationship with Avita has shown, we have found that the most real thing about polyamory is that you'll, you will learn, right? That's what we have learned. That whatever hard stance you take on a topic, um, you will soon understand the other
0: side. Oh, yeah. I I think that is very true for anything in life, especially in polyamory. And it's funny that you mentioned, Davida, that kitchen table poly was on a pedestal in polyamory communities, and it still is in twenty twenty two. We're still having the same conversations.
2: Yes, and and the funny thing is, I often find it interesting because people will get these ideas about who I am based on different things that I say and assume that I have ire against like kitchen table polyamory, for instance, because I'll speak out about the fact that we're still elevating it as like this gold standard of polyamory. And it's so funny to me because I very much have kitchen table polyamory in my current polyamorous dynamic with my partners, but it wasn't something that was prescribed. So like, we didn't go into our connections with each other saying, we have to have kitchen table polyamory. It just so happens that the people that my partners are in relationship with are people that I genuinely like and genuinely enjoy being around. And I find that when that is the case, kitchen table polyamory can be wonderful and it can be enjoyed, but it is also equally as valid for someone to say that is not something that we can do either because I don't, me and my metamors don't vibe. Or I just don't have a desire to do that. I have a certain bandwidth for people interaction and I reserve that for my partners. And I'm not super interested in having a connected relationship with my partners. And what would bother me the most about people talking down on uh, parallel polyamory is all of the assumptions that they make about the people that want it. It's just because you don't want to deal with your jealousy or because you're uncomfortable and you're trying to like, all of these things, you're not mature enough. And I'm like, why does it have to be that way? Maybe the person's just like, you know, I just really don't, you know, it's just not something that I'm interested in and it's not coming from all of these places. Or this assumption that if you're engaging in parallel polyamory, That, like, you can't show up well to your partner's other relationships with other people, which also I didn't find to be true. And, like you said, right now we're still having uh, these conversations. And honestly, one of the things that I think is the reason why people are so adamant about kitchen table poly being the gold standard of polyamory is about the public perception of their non monogamous relationships. It's almost like it's about approving that you are really okay with your partner having other people up to and including you being able to interact with those people and show everyone that you can interact with those people. And so that kind of creates this perception that, oh, look at how okay they are. They must you know, be okay with their partners or the partners because look, they can hang out. But you can totally be okay with your partners or the partners and not have anything to do with them or not hang out. And that's not to say that people's desires for kitchen table poly aren't genuine because I do believe that people do have genuine desire for that. But like I said, it's that elevation of it that I feel like comes with this shadow side of this isn't really super about people's genuine desires. It's more about something that people are trying to prove either to the polyamorous community at large, that they can be okay with non-monogamy or to people outside of non-monogamy that are looking in.
0: Yeah. (laughs) oof, That kind of hit me in the chest. I did think I wanted to be kitchen table at the very beginning as well.
1: (laughs) I I will say that, that although Avita and I have both evolved in our personal relationships with polyamory. I still think that we still represent two very different attitudes and opinions toward how to deal with metamors in general. Because as you all know from if you've ever listened to any of my other podcasts or whenever I've been a guest before, you also know that I'm a very fact-based person. And so I have said before, and I will say again, that I think that the way that you interact with your metamorph has a lot to do with relationship outcome. But there are also a lot of people who don't focus very much on relationship outcomes, right? They don't have a goal in mind with regard to the relationship. Their goal is to enjoy the relationship with this person in this space for as long as it feels good. And so there are some kinds of relationships and some goals for whom parallel polyamory and kitchen table polyamory, it doesn't matter which one you choose. But depending on what your goals are with regard to polyamory, then certain ways of interacting with your metamor make more sense. For instance, if you are someone whose life is deeply entrenched with someone else's and you have children, there are lots of indicators, there are reasons why kitchen table polyamory may have a better outcome. But again, we all want different things. And because we all want different things, it's perfectly okay for us to all go about things in a different way.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. We know generally what a memoir is. We've talked about kitchen table and parallel being like, I guess those would be the two most extreme versions, like on opposite ends of the spectrum, in a sense, for metamor relationships. And of course, there's always room for something in the middle. I don't know what the word for that is. We call it birthday party, right? Like that's what- party. Yeah.
2: And I, I've heard it called, and I'm going to uh, mention who this came from, because uh, actually, like I saved this. It's Morgan Lindsay coined this mm-hmm. term for me, uh, restaurant table poly. So it's, we may not sit around the kitchen table and chop it up, but can we go to a restaurant together and be civil and cordial and friendly? Or can we be at the same event? Maybe my partner had, like you said, birthday party, or maybe my partner is getting an award at work or something like that. Can we be at the same social event with one another and be civil and cordial and friendly? But we're not all having like entire polycule Netflix and chill nights where everybody's in a cuddle puddle and we're all watching movies. Um, With my partner and their partners and our partners, we're not doing that. And so there is something that's in the center where, okay, like you may not be my BFF. We may not have a group chat where we're all kicking it. But like also, it's not like we do not interact at all. So there is something in the middle.
1: And it's also important for me to mention that I think people, because people like things to be opposite, I think people actually intentionally miss identify what parallel polyamory is right parallel polyamory does not indicate any negative no ill will no bad blood it just means that the relationships run next to one another and that we have no regular or formal interaction it doesn't mean that i won't speak to you if i see you pass by it doesn't mean that i treat you like you don't exist but parallel polyamory generally the idea is that we don't design our relationships in such a way so that there is interaction
0: yeah no that makes sense i mean i guess if you're talking extreme opposites that would be a version of don't ask don't tell which i I don't subscribe to that
2: so i I don't date people who do he's kind of weird
1: right the the real opposite of kitchen table polyamory is don't ask don't tell yeah it really
2: is it's don't ask don't tell and that's not to say that Parallel polyamory doesn't necessarily have some instances where there is like a case of bad blood. Cause I've definitely had some situations where our relationships were par- parallel because I was like, I do not like that person. I do not want to interact with them, keep them away from me. We will be separate because of that. But that is not the entirety. Of what it is. Those are more like, those are more, I feel like anomalies in parallel polyamory than it is like the entirety of polyamory. So, uh, parallel polyamory. So, this assumption that well, the reason why people have polyamory is because there's some kind of bad blood is an erroneous assumption. Sometimes people just don't have any desire to interact with their metamorphs or interact with them minimally. And honestly, sometimes even parallel polyamory comes from the actual hinge. I had a partner who was like, I'm not interested in kitchen table polyamory. And I don't want my, it's not that they didn't want to, but like they were not vested in whether or not their partners had a close relationship. They were like, if that's something that you want, y'all going to have to work that out on yourself, on your own. But that's not something that I'm going to be like personally invested in making sure that occurs because I want my relationship spaces to be separate. And yeah, and so I think that there just needs to, there's so much myth And misconception around what parallel polyamory means. And it's important that we're highlighting that it's like, no, even that is a space where it really just depends on the people that are practicing it and like how they choose to navigate it and set it up for themselves.
0: Okay. So, of course, I know you both have metamores right now. You're not in the single Pringle lifestyle like some other people I know are in. So, would you describe that? all of your relationships are parallel or they're this kitchen table thing or are they some kind of different mixes of them depending on your partners?
1: I'm gonna be honest with you I don't have anybody who I regard as a metamor I my and I say that because the only person who technically qualifies as my metamor I was in a relationship with for five years and we lived together so that doesn't count to me Um, Mm -hmm. When I'm talking about a metamore, I'm talking about someone who your knowledge of them is through your partner. So at present, my partners don't have any other partners in that way. So I don't currently have these kinds of problems, but in general, my default at this point in my life, if one of my partners is dating someone that I don't already know, which doesn't happen very often, my general method of communication and interaction with them will be a default parallel. That's where I am.
2: Okay. And so I currently have two partners and my two partners have two other partners, each besides me. So I currently have four metamores. And honestly, I have, I'm technically, I'm still married, even though my husband and I are separating. I'm not entirely sure how many partners he has now, because now we're not giving ourselves these updates (laughs) on our dating life, like we used to, but he does have one partner that I'm still, I still uh, maintain a relationship with, even as he and I are decoupling and ending our relationship. That one I would describe as, like I said, somewhere in the middle. And then as far as my current, like active partners and the four other metamors that I have, one of them, I would say is somewhere in the middle, but that has to do more with like location and time. We don't often get a lot of opportunity to be in 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 or at the kitchen table with each other because that is a long-distance relationship, so I live across the country uh, from him. And his other partner, we are a little bit closer just because we have gotten more time to be around one another. I would still consider both of them kitchen table, but one of them is a little bit more towards the, the center of that, that polarity than the other one is simply by way of the fact that we haven't gotten a lot of time to spend with one another. And then um, with my other partner, uh, the newer one, same thing. I'm like, I'm just now developing what my Metamore relationships are like with his partners and haven't gotten a whole lot of opportunity to interact with. And so I would consider them also in the middle of like restaurant table, if we're at the same space with one another, we can hang out. Uh, One of them I haven't met yet. We chit-chatted online before, but I haven't met yet. But we, all of them, I have very warm interactions with. We all appreciate each other very much. I definitely consider them special people to me and more, it's more about like logistics. Like one of them lives on a different state for me. The other one lives across the country and we don't get an opportunity to hang out like we would probably like to if we were all in the same space.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So definitely more in the middle. Shanae's like, oh, metamores, where are those? I don't, I don't have those people. Like, who do you mean? That's, but please do know
1: that me not having any metamores also means I'm not dating any
0: Excuse yeah, yes. so I think that means the DMs are open. I don't, I don't want to say. I put sure, it in there but... every time. <laughs> no, the DMs are open. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to say like I'm dating somebody. Kind of dating somebody. And... No, this
1: is polyamory for you.
0: Polyamory. Yeah. Means I feel confident saying I'm not dating anyone. Jen is. I don't know if somebody's feelings will be hurt if I say this. So let me just <laughs> like it's so funny because I, I had a conversation about this with multiple people the other day. I was getting to, I was getting to know three people. And there's only one who could potentially be like, yeah, okay, we're dating, right? And so one person was like, "Are we dating?" And I was like, "Why would you ask me that? Of course we're not dating. Like, there's no intention. Like, I didn't say it like that, but you know, I said kind of like, no, we're not dating. We're getting to know each other. I'm still feeling it out. Like, I don't, I, I could be attracted to you. It doesn't mean that you are, you know, romantic partner fit, Frank. I'm just getting to know you." The other person was like. Nah, we're like vibing. We're cool. You know, we, there's no intentionality yet to our connections. Kind of like a, we'll see what happens if we decide to pursue in a different direction. And I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And the third person was like, I refer to you as a partner if I'm talking to other people about you, but that's more for their understanding of our relationship than a title we both agreed on. He's like, so I would say dating. And I was like, okay, kind of see that. Kind of see that. And so they have two other, but well, they have a partner and then they have someone else that they're also dating. <laughs> and I know that other person It's like, are we like metamors? But like, I knew them before anything even happened between y'all. We're fine. I mean, it has nothing to do with me and I guess it's cool that you exist, but I don't, you are I don't know. You're going on the biggest polyamorous
1: wormhole in the entire world. Yeah. And yeah, that's could what have, it is. You could talk to 20
0: people. For 20 minutes about whether they're <laughs> we really could I don't know I don't know so we're here we're at metamore relationships I haven't had much experience recently with having to navigate metamore relationships which is really where I'm trying to go with this just because I was single for a long time I wasn't even dating nobody I was just I was dating myself so I guess I was my own personal metamorph partner all those things before we even get here. And so having that conversation with you at Our Black People a Lot about the Metamore Bill of Rights was very interesting to me because you had these diagrams and everything. I will be sharing them with the listeners. Don't worry, you can see it. It'll be in the video on YouTube. There'll be a link where you can find it online. So how did you really, I know you said you've had some like positive experiences of not so positive experiences with metamores. Is that what kind of led to this or was it just like the evolution of your understanding and growth in polyamory that really brought this to a
2: forefront? Um, I think it was a little bit of both. I think also a lot of the discourse was around like what you are, like what you can reasonably like expect as a partner in polyamory, but there wasn't as much conversation around what you should be looking for with regards to like your metamore interactions. And I felt like that was really important thing to note, because I think that like if, if secondary don't get they don't get as much like conversation around because the secondaries bill of whites have you seen that even more so with metamores do i get the space to say my metamore is very passive aggressive to me when we're together they make these snide comments or they're even outright rude or hostile uh, or verbally abusive to me is it okay for me to say i don't want to be in, in i don't want to I- interact with your other partner anymore because of how they treat me you know and these kinds of conversations or these kind of talks or my metamore is way too invasive they're constantly asking me all kinds of questions about my relationship with our shared partner, things that make me really uncomfortable that I don't want to share with them. Is it okay for me to say, I don't really feel like that's any of your business and I'm not going to talk to you about that. And, and so we recognized that there was a need to create something that said, hey, as a metamor, you get to decide like what your boundaries are with regards to your relationships with your metamors, because that is also a relationship, even if it's not necessarily as integrated. As it, the one you have with your partner, it is still a relationship. And so you need to have an awareness of what is okay and what's not okay. Uh,
1: that's an important thing. We, so whenever we have this conversation, Avita and I usually do a disclaimer where we talk about, there are some people in the community who like to debate even the definition of the term metamorph, And I, I've, we've heard on several different occasions, people are like, I don't even think that they're only a metamor if I call them a metamorph. A metamor is your partner's partner, period. So, absent whether you have a relationship that's amazing, no relationship at all, or a horrible relationship, this person exists as your metamor. And so, when we created the Metamor Bill of Rights, I know my personal motivation was to take things outside A lot of conversations in modern-day polyamory can be very couple-centric. And so what I wanted to do was take the conversation outside of a couple-centric space and remind everyone that we are all individuals navigating relationships and that each of us as individuals have certain rights. And a lot of times, particularly married and nested people, like to present as a monolith of us. And so that it instantly makes the other person, one of them may be dating, like the enemy. And I wanted to create the dialogue around each person in a situation having equal footing, right? And the ability to make decisions for themselves. No one should be subject to rules or considerations or whatever the case may be that they weren't a part of. So that's what the Metamorbidal Rights seeks to empower everyone as an individual interacting with two other individuals or
0: more. Yeah, I think that the first point you have on here is I have the right to decide for myself what kind of metamour relationship I want and with whom. And I think like we talked about forced or like the perception of kitchen table poly for a bit and that's something that definitely comes up a lot in those interactions I have found. Well, I am kitchen table poly so you have to get along with anybody else that I decide to interact with or else. And or else may be silent or said out loud.
2: I also feel like it's important to note with that first one specifically is how disproportionately this is wielded against people that are dating people that may be married or nested or in long-term relationships. So say like I have a spouse and my spouse starts dating someone. It is okay for me to say, or people act like it's okay for me to say, okay, I'm not super interested in that person that you're dating. I don't want to have a metamor relationship. But let that person that my partner was dating say, I really don't want to hang out with your wife. I don't want to have a relationship with your wife. And people ask, oh, hell no. Like, you don't get to say that. You, whatever. And I'm like, why do they not get to say, I really don't want to have an interaction with your wife simply because I'm the wife. They don't get to say that. But I get to say, I don't want to have an interaction with this person. So, like, it does disproportionately affect. Solo polyamorous people, single polyamorous people, just people that are dating, uh, people that are in like married or nested or long-term partnerships to where it's like, they don't feel like they get the space to say, I really don't want to interact with your spouse. And that's seen as like worse. Where the spouse were to say, I really don't want to interact with the the other person, they usually, that's not seen as as bad. So I really wanted to make sure that one was in there because I really feel like it's important to say, you get to tell someone, I don't want to interact with your wife. I don't want to interact with your husband. I don't want to have a relationship with them. And that spouse has to honor that. Yeah.
0: And see, that second one too, I think it ties
2: very much back
0: into that. I have a right to not have my plans with our shared partner arbitrarily canceled by a meta. And, and going back to my conversation about hierarchy that we did a couple months ago,
1: the reality is your metamorph has absolutely no power that's not gr- that your partner doesn't grant them. So, your if your plans are being canceled last minute, it's because your partner agreed to cancel. And but so many people they have this idea that anything that is happening with the primary nested or even just in terms of time, the relationship that came first automatically trumps any plans or desires of the newer relationship so that we thought that was really important because we have all heard the story of the nested partner picking a fight before a date that led to a a canceled date that's a a pretty common trope in our community and it's just not okay
0: yeah absolutely not absolutely not and for me that is always like uh no then i don't think this is going to work for me if this is going to keep happening the answer is a hard no i think I, I will let maybe maybe one time happen and like oh you have to cancel last minute okay you reschedule but if it's something that keeps popping up it's no we're not going to do that and that's a hinge problem that's not my partner is the problem that's not a their partner is the problem i i don't have any control over <laughs> anyone in this relationship if you decide that that is more important to you than our connection I already know where I stand. I'm
2: good. One of the important parts of making sure that we put that in there is because people will then say, so this happens to someone and they start to express like frustration with it. Sometimes what they'll hear is that you don't even have a right to be upset about this because I'm the primary spouse or I'm the co-parent or whatever. And not only do you not have a right to have your dates honored by your partner, I get to arbitrarily cancel them, but you don't even have a right to be upset about it. And so that's why it's really important to like put these things in here and make sure that we're letting people know, no, you have a right to not have your dates arbitrarily canceled uh, by your uh, metamor, because if you're feeling crunchy about it, that's correct. And you have a right to have your feelings about that because this is not okay. Absolutely.
0: That's one thing I I don't play around with, I think. And I I realized that about myself even very early on. If someone else can dictate what we're doing and it's not a life or death emergency. Like, it's not like the, your partner got into an accident and they were in the hospital and you had to go. It was, well, I, I wanted to go grocery shopping today. It's like, yeah, well, I, I have a date planned with this other person. It's like, yeah, but the grocery shopping has to happen tonight. I'm like, so you can't go? Like, I don't understand. What do you need me? What do you need this other person there for? So I, I'm very funny about that. Next one.
1: <laughs> okay,
0: I have the right to expect privacy
1: in my relationship with our shared partner. And I think this is a really big one because I think people think that they just have the right to be in other people's business in a way that is just, I think there's a big discrepancy in our community about what is your business and what's not your business. And people don't understand the difference between things that you have a need to know and things that you simply want to know. And Now, I'm not saying that the things you want to know are necessarily wrong, right? And if you and your partner agree to whatever that may be, just make sure your partner is communicating what information they're sharing with their partner, right? It's a whole bunch of adult conversation and important consent, but in general, every relationship has the right to privacy. And I think that is something that I hate that it has to be said, but I think it was important for it to be said.
2: Oh, yeah, totally, because people can be very invasive with their uh, partner's other relationships, and and also sometimes it comes from a place of wanting to keep tabs on the other relationship, or even this, like I said, this belief of, okay, we're with the same person, so you have to give me all the information that I want to have about what is going on with the person, but you get to say, I really don't want to share that with you, or that's something that I would rather not discuss with you. Especially if it's not crossing the boundary of like things that we've agreed to be transparent about. So like things like, I don't know, SDI status, those kinds of stuff. And even then we still need to have some conversations around privacy there. But it is absolutely, you do not have to offer any information uh, that your metamor wants about your relationship with their shared partner simply because you want it. You can absolutely say, I really don't feel like that's any of your business. I also feel like it's important that we're having those conversations with our partners and saying, this is my privacy boundary. These are things that I really don't want you sharing with your partner about our relationship. Or if you want to share this with your partner about our relationship, I want you to get my consent before you do that. Because sometimes we can feel like, oh, this is just a free-for-all. We're all with the same person. So we're all doing all the same things. And so we get to know all this. But I think it's important for the relationship. Especially to have a sense of like specialness is that we get to have privacy in our relationship. And so I'm going to respect the privacy of your relationship with our shared partner. Please respect the privacy of mine.
0: Yeah. Another thing that I want to mention as well is also um what happens when they share internet accounts? What happens if they have same email address, like a family email address, like my dad and my stepmom, they share an email address. Like if they were to ever practice polyamory, which ew. But like if they were ever to practice polyamory, like And my dad's partner is, like, emailing some confirmation stuff to him, like, for trips or, like, plans or whatever, like, presents and stuff. Then my stepmother would have access to that. And did their partner consent to that? Like, to having their messages potentially read by other people? Mm. That's another thing that also rubs me the wrong way.
1: Yeah, I had no idea how prevalent that was. That people are just like, well, and, and you hear it under the guise of, we have no secret. And people, we have no secrets, people. Love to also, what they don't tell you is that we also have no privacy, right? It's that privacy and secrets are different. A secret would be, they don't know I have a girlfriend. Privacy is my communications with my girlfriend being between me and my girlfriend.
2: Yeah, I'm always very flummoxed at that. And then when you say something like, because a post will come up and they'll say, is it okay to go through your partner's phone or have their password or whatever? And I'll say something like, oh, like none of my partners have access to my phone. They don't look through it. I don't look through theirs. And it's, oh, we keep no secrets from each other. And I'm like, okay, but, like, why are you assuming that having privacy with your, like, communication device is tantamount to keeping secrets? And then also, okay, fine, so y'all don't have any secrets from each other, that's cool. Do the partners that you have outside of the relationship have the same access? Probably not. So you're probably not, they're probably not going through their partner's phone looking at what they have going on with their spouse either. So it, 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 it it's that same, that that disparateness of it. So it's okay, like we have this nested partner and we have access to each other's phone. But if the person's girlfriend were to say, hey, let me take a look at your phone, they'd be like, oh no, you don't get to do that. And so I often find that's always very weird. And so I say this all the time. I'm like, privacy is not secrecy and transparency is not total access to any and all all information at any given time. But like they, they're not the same thing. It's okay to say there are some things that I'm going to keep private And, okay, so fine, you two want to have access to each other's phones and be able to go through each other's messages and all those things like that. Make sure that when you are interacting with people that you are saying, my partner has access to my phone. They surveil my correspondence with you. You need to know that. And at right, any given otherwise... moment, they're going to look at what we're saying to one another. Right. There is your... another set of eyes in this communication.
1: Every fight, every disagreement, every lovey-dovey moment, every nude, every sext. Who would actually engage in those behaviors if they knew that your partner was reading?
0: I mean, I guess I mean, there are the...
1: lawyers, but...
0: Is the partner paying me for that? I mean, if they want access to that kind of information, I mean, if they pay me, I can consider it. Right. But they got to pay me up front. It's
1: like a free OnlyFans subscription. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like, I don't give that away for free. There there, are there benefits to seeing all the beautifulness that is in my naked body. Like, you don't just get that just because you have access to someone else's phone. No, that's weird. It's very weird. And also unrelated to the Memoir Bill of Rights, but I just had to put that in there. Just had to put that in there. <laughs> Jen you know. trying to say she
1: has fine news, y'all. That's what she... I do. I she do. does. I say, oh, fine. <laughs> all right. Um, So the next one that's really important that we got lots of pushback about at the time was, I have a right to address issues with my metamor directly with them. Do you remember how people reacted to that, Vita? This was like, what, this was 2020 we did this? So, So this was a long time ago at this point, but there was a huge reaction. People did not agree with, by and large, not everybody, but by and large, there was lots of disagreement with this one.
2: Yeah, and I find that very interesting because why would this not operate the way any, like, issue with adult would operate? You go to that adult directly <laughs> and directly address it with that adult. And, and especially, I actually think that it's a little bit of a red flag when you have a hinge that doesn't want you to address things with your metamorphs directly. It's a or,
1: hinge. It's- or,
2: like, it's way too involved and being in the middle between uh, you and your metamor. And I feel like as a hinge, part of uh, learning how to be uh, a healthy hinge, is saying, you know what? You need to go talk to them about that. And saying, that's not something that I, I can't speak for my partner. That is an issue that you have with them. I'm not a go-between. So I'm, we're not gonna be playing a game of telephone or doing that triangulated communication that sometimes happens in But monogamy If you have an issue with this person, maybe y'all should deal address that directly. And then if I have to come in or we have to do a three-person thing, that's fine. But if you have an issue with this person or there's some kind of information that you want to know, you need to go talk to that person directly. Like, I've literally had that happen in my own personal experience to where I was bah, 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 about someone I my And my partner had to be like, I'm just, let me stop right there. <laughs> you need to go talk to them directly about that because that don't have nothing to do with me.
1: And to me, that is that a lot of mess gets cut out. With direct communication, because even if my metaphor comes to me and I'm like, "I don't like you, and I don't want to talk to you no more. You have heard it from my mouth. There is no further communication that you need. It's not you didn't hear it through the grapevine. I said it, and I meant it.
0: Yeah, like wh- why are we doing Chinese telephone back and forth? This is unnecessary. like I, if I have a problem with you, I should be able to say it to your face. I shouldn't have to go tell my partner to go and tell you for you to, what this is not what I signed up for. I thought we left that behind in grade school. I really did.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think that, and also that goes to hinges. I think that hinge partners need to say more often, you got a question about what she wants or what he wants. And and that's if you have access to them. You may not have access to them. And if you don't, then they're not
0: a part of your world. Mind your business. For the people watching this on YouTube, you saw my little finger thing. For everyone <laughs> at home who's only listening to this, I had the Jen smirk on my face. Everyone knows the Jen smirk and the little finger. Is it your business? No, it's not. Mind your own, thank you, which also ties into the I have the right to my feelings about my metamorph. You don't get to tell me my feelings are unreasonable or ridiculous, or that I shouldn't have them because they're mine.
2: I think that's super important, and I think that not only I think is it important for us to acknowledge that for other people, I think it's also important to acknowledge that for ourselves because I think sometimes we don't allow ourselves the space to say, I just really don't like this person or I really don't vibe with them. We feel bad. We're like, I'm supposed to figure out how to like my metamor. Or I'm supposed to, we try and we try and we push and we push and we try to find all these angles where we like the person. But sometimes the only point of commonality you have with your metamor is that you are dating the same person. And if you were to remove that, there would literally be nothing that you would have a point of commonality about with this person. And it is okay for you to accept that I just don't really like them that much, or we just don't really gel, or they've said some stuff to me that kind of hurt my feelings and they haven't really been very kind to me. And as a result, I don't super like them that much. And that's okay. You have a right to have your feelings. And not only do you have a right to assert that to others, but you also have a right to accept that within yourself, you know, that this is genuinely how you feel about this person and that's okay.
1: And that it doesn't have to change. I think people who may have a negative relationship with their metamor are always maybe seeking to change that. And, and and it's okay. You're not with them. Your partner is, right? So you can find ways of navigating that connection that doesn't require you to like them or be nice to them or even interact with them.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Love that. Love that. Everyone's laughing at me today, but it's fine. I'm exceptionally funny. That's why this is happening. <laughs> and then the last one on the Metamorph Bill of Rights says, I have a right to maintain a relationship with my metamorph even if the relationship with my partner ends. And that, I'm sure, did not go over well with a lot of people either. I won't
1: lie to you. We didn't get as much pushback about this one because in some people's conception of polyamory, they find that to be unlikely. They, These are mostly people who are new to navigating life polyamorously. For people who are have been in the polyamorous community for quite some time, and if you got 10 years plus, then you absolutely know that this is happening. I am literally, I had a friend who became a metamor and then wasn't a metamor and was in my living room in this moment. And, and that's just, that's what happens. You, If you make a friendship or if you have a connection that matters to you, and that it's not about their relationship with a shared partner. Why wouldn't you get to, why wouldn't you have the right to continue and keep that relationship if that's what you desire?
2: Yeah, this one is particularly resonant for me as I have forever meta is what I call her. And neither of us are with the partner that connected to us. <laughs> And she and I are still great friends. And then, like I said, as I'm going through a separation, I'm in divorce with my husband, the partner that he had the longest, um, who I had a very wonderful relationship with uh, when he and I were together, we're still friends. And then we occasionally check in on each other, how are you doing? And it was very important for me that I maintain that relationship because I greatly valued and appreciated that person. And that's not to say that it doesn't have its difficulties and its challenges, but you do have a right to maintain a relationship with your metamor even as your partner may not no longer be with them or you may not no longer be with your partner because they are separate relationships. This person connected you. Uh, to this person but they are separate relationships and they that those things do need to be navigated with care and consideration and like i said it's not to say that it's not challenging but you do have a right to maintain a relationship with your metamor even if your relationship with your partner ends or their relationship with your partner ends i do want to uh make sure that i'm also talking about that those things get more dicey if there's any uh, like harm or abuse that goes um, unaccounted for. If you had a metamor that did something really heinous to your partner, or or you had a really uh, a traumatic or volatile like a uh, breakup with your partner, those make things more tricky. But in situations to where it was just like okay, the relationship just didn't pan out or it didn't work out or whatever, you absolutely do uh, have a right to maintain a relationship with your metamors even after they're technically no longer, you know, uh, metamors.
0: So what would you say are some do's you can see like for metamor relationships if you want a positive positive doesn't necessarily mean that you and the metamore are best friends but if you want a positive interaction in metamor relationships and managing that what are some tips that you would give to folks on how to manage that i would
1: say be upfront direct but also not overbearing so i think that and expect for people to be who they are right Everyone's personalities are different and the way they just like to interact with the world. And being direct is always high, introducing yourself in whatever way you choose to do, and just say, I'm, I'm totally open to having the kind of relationship that works best for you. And you can even open the conversation with your metamorph about what kind of relationship they would like to have, the ways in which they would like to and not like to interact.
2: I think that it's important that, number one, we're humanizing our metamors. And uh, we're assuming good intent to the best of our ability. And so, like, we're not, like, catastrophizing who they are or, like, inflating who they are, but, like, we're seeking to make them human. And, And so, understanding and being compassionate and empathetic to our metamors, because essentially, their desire is the same as ours. They want to have a loving and enjoyable relationship, hopefully, with our partner. And I think it's important that we try to see them that way and try to... See any areas if we see them as like competition or someone that is a threat. Making sure that we're looking uh, within ourselves and examining ourselves when those things uh, come up. I also think, and this is one of those things that I try to do personally, is connect to them outside of something other than there with your partner. Because to me, that one piece of information is just not enough to build an entire relationship on. It's just not. So I like to get to know them as human beings. Who are you? without being my partner's partner. Who are you when you're just at home, when you're on your job, like when you're out and about with your friends, like who is this person that isn't just about them being my partner's partner? I don't get so myopically focused on that. get to know them as a fully fleshed out, well-rounded human being because I think that creates the space for you to have a more authentic relationship with the person than just connecting with them on the fact that they're with your partner because sometimes that'll feel really good but sometimes that won't feel so good when you're dealing with your own insecurities or, I don't know, you've been, you know, gone on a couple of dates with this other person and you and your partner haven't gone on a date in a while. Like, you're not always going to have the most comfy, like, relationship with the fact that they're your partner's partner. But if you have other, like I said, points of a connection that have nothing to do with that. That's very helpful for in times when you might be in a struggle space about the fact that they're your partner's partner. So I think it's really important that we are connecting with our metamors outside of just the fact that this is my person's person.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so if someone's having a contentious relationship with a metamor, how would you suggest that they handle something like that? Not something as, of course, traumatic as, abuse or anything like that it's like they're just you're not clicking quite right in the way that you had hoped or they had hoped as well that you kind of thought you were gonna click what is a a tip that you can say there to navigate that
1: the best advice that i can give honestly is to drop it absolutely drop it keep your eyes on your own paper and worry about your own relationship when i have seen this done sometimes there are insecurities that are run rampant at the beginning of a connection that smooth themselves out toward the middle and so i think when everybody what whatever's gonna happen is going to happen and i think when everybody focuses on their relationship if you feel like your metamorph is being snarky to you stop talking to them if you feel like they're dissing you at events where y'all are shared stop going like just focus on yourself worry about your business so if you're not clicking, if you're not having the kind of deeply connected relationship with your metamor you'd hope for, I think that the best outcome comes from releasing that hope and just existing in your relationship with your partner and not interconnecting the two. Don't get so caught up in how you interact with your metamor that it affects your, your relationship with your partner.
2: Yeah, I really like that. And what came forward for me when you were talking, Shanae, was that piece about acceptance. And so I think one of the reasons why people have such an issue with that is because they don't accept it. They, they grapple with it. It's like, oh, I really want to like this person. Oh, I really want to figure out how to have this instead of just coming to a place of acceptance, this person is just not my person. It's okay. I'm just going to accept that. And with that acceptance, then you start figuring out what your boundaries are and then holding firm to your boundaries. Being honest about, I really wanted to like this person. I don't think we really get along that well. And so I'm going to start instituting boundaries around how much access they have to me, how much access I have to your relationship with them, and then hold those boundaries firm. Don't succumb to pressure. Don't succumb to being squeezed on by the hinge partner or being squeezed on by the metamorph for you to, to, you to adjust your boundaries. Once you've figured out, okay, this is what I need in order to feel safe, and this is what I need in order to be at peace with my partner's relationship with this other person, don't budge. Hold that and say, no, I get that this would make your life easier if we got along. But this, it, it's making my life harder interacting with this person that I really don't vibe with. And so I'm going to maintain my boundary here. And you're going to have to figure out how to navigate around that. And uh, you can be empathetic to that being difficult for your partner while also saying, but this fence is going to stay up, though. And you know what I'm saying, huh? So Yeah, I'm sorry you got to walk around there. Oh, that's so sad. But also this is still going to stay up, though, uh, because that's what I've identified that I need in order to be at peace and to feel safe and to accept what is going on. And so uh, that would be my advice when it comes to that.
0: Yes, yes. And so this reminds me of a conversation that popped up in a Discord server that I'm on. Someone was having a conversation about feeling that they're not as valued as, you know, their partners or the partners are, and some disconnect in the metamore relationship and things like that. And this is something that pop- comes up fairly commonly, especially if you're dating married folks. Like, I'm, I'm going to come out and say that. Like, you date married folks, that's something that comes up a lot in how you navigate those relationships. And so I think that these tips, the metamorph Bill of Rights and, like, the tips that you gave will definitely help some people realize that, okay, yeah, this is, this is a me and my partner thing. It's, it ain't got shit to do with them. Like, right. eyes on your own paper, and, like you
1: said. And more importantly, I think sometimes if you're having issues with your metamorph, stop for a moment and interrogate where the issues originate from. Because how do you know? If you have an issue with your metamorph? then is the issue with them? Or is the issue from information that you're getting from your hinge? And if the issue is information that you're getting from your hinge partner, then stop. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about them. It doesn't, you're, if if you are, if you're focused on having a relationship with your partner, then you can really drown out the rest of the noise.
2: I also want to say with regard to that too, on a personal level, also examine If that is genuinely that you just don't vibe with the person, or if that's coming from a space of insecurity in you around this person's other relationship with your partner. And that's not to say that you need to do that examination with a goal to figure out how to have a relationship with them. You can come to the end of that examination and say, I still don't really want to have much of a relationship with them. But at least I understand where this space is coming from for me. But I find that sometimes we will just be hell-bent to not like a person that our partner is with. And it really has nothing to do with anything that person has done and everything to do with our own discomfort and insecurities around our partner having another partner. And so it's important that we're bringing self-examination to that space and going like, where is this coming from? What is this about? Is it really that I just don't get along with this person? Or is this coming from something inside of me that I'm predisposed to be ill at ease with this person because I'm actually ill at ease with the fact that my person has another person at all? You have
1: to question whether it's the person or their position.
2: Yes, big time. See, I love that. This is so helpful,
0: so wonderful. I have one last thing I want to bring up. It's just going to be like a little zinger there at the end. You know, we're all Black folk here. Super honest about that. What if you are someone who doesn't want to interact with white people and your partners have white partners? Like, how do you navigate spaces like that? There are a lot of people in the community who are like, yeah, I'm not going to date people who date white people. Like, I don't date white people and this is weird for me. Like, how do we, how do you come to terms with that in this space where we know there are a lot of people who don't share the same views? Set a boundary and hold it.
1: I don't think there's any what your boundaries around your intimate space, and this is something that I have I, I I continue to say that your relationship with your metamor, I hold that as intimate space. And so that partner, that shared partner exists in a space that is intimate for me. So if my choice is to not share intimate space with white people, then that is my choice. And my metamorph. And again, it's allowed to their feelings about that boundary, but my boundary exists regardless of their feelings about it.
2: Yeah. So I've actually talked about this pretty extensively as a Black person who is open to dating non-Black and white people and has. And so this was something that I became aware of in the polyamory groups when I would see people talk about it. And I really didn't know it was a thing until I would I saw people having conversations about it. and And immediately, initially, I was, like I said, I was shocked and I bristled at it a little bit. As a person that is open to dating non-Black POCs and white people, and so the thought that, like, somebody would not want to date me because I might have a white partner at any given time, or even the fact that I'm open to having a white partner at any given time was a little, like, off-putting to me because I was, like, like I didn't even know that my partner selection was, like, limiting my partner choice or my partner access, like in the Black community, but when we're talking about things with regards to what Sinead was talking about with intimate space, we're talking about things, we're talking about safety. And the reality is if someone is dating me because of my close proximity to a white person via my intimate relationships, they are opening themselves up to potential harm by proxy, by way of sharing an intimate space with me and potentially my white partner. And it would be nice if, like, we could be sure that people that are dating white people um, are vetting and, like, having critical race theory conversations and, like, going, like, how do you feel about these things and microaggressions and how are you checking your privilege, et cetera, et cetera, and so forth. But that's not always the case. And also, a lot of Black people that are in close proximity... Uh, with white people often hold a lot of anti-black ideals and commit like uh, a, a social violence to other black people in order to gain social capital with white folks. Most people are like, man, let me just err on the side of caution that I don't find myself in a situation where I've let this person into my intimate space and now I'm, I'm being harmed by this white person that like, I am not in control of the fact that like, I, it's not like, it's my partner's partner. But yet here I am being harmed by this person by way of my partner being connected to them. And so just to keep myself from having that happen at all, I'm just going to have a a boundary that I just don't date people, Black people that are open uh, to dating uh, white people. And so I like it's a boundary that I definitely support, even as I have an understanding that like it means that there are certain people that I am not able to date because, you know, of my willingness to date white people. And I've de- I've heard uh, trans people have this as a boundary. It's like I will not date anyone that has uh, cisgender partners or is open to uh, cishet partners. I-, I refuse to date them. I've heard that. I've heard trans people say that. I've heard queer people say that. So I don't date people that will have heterosexual partners. And it's all about wanting to feel safe in their intimate relationships and not being in close proximity to someone that carries an identity that, for the most part, has shown up in a harmful way uh, towards people. And I also want to highlight that this does not work in the opposite direction. So it's coming from a different space. If it, it is going in the opposite direction. So no, you as a white person do not get to say I do not, I I won't date people. Well, you get to say it. Okay, so everybody gets to say what the fuck they want. So you get to say, I do not, I won't date partners that will date black people. You get to say that. But if you are saying that, it's coming from a place of racism. It ain't coming from the same place. It's not coming from a place of self-preservation. It's not coming from a place of self-preservation. It is coming from a space of racism. So if you want to say it, it's fine, but call it what it is. So this doesn't what work. What do you
0: mean? Of course it's self-preservation. We got to preserve the race. You know, right. the race.
2: Yeah. Uh-uh. It ain't coming from that place because I remember posting something about this. And a bunch of my white followers saying, does this work in the opposite direction? Do I get to say that I won't date someone that dates black people? And I'm like, yeah, you get to say it, but it ain't coming from the same place. It's not coming from the same place. So, I um, mean, you need to acknowledge that.
1: I went through and blocked every single person who said some stupid shit on that post. I remember that. I was like,
0: I'm just doing, I'm doing this for my own edification. Block, 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 block. No, that makes perfect sense. I, can, I tell people, I said, you can say whatever you want. But if I pop you in the face, consequences to action Like we, we've already talked about this so thank you so much for agreeing to be here for talking on this i really appreciate it. um so why don't you tell the people of course i know work with Shanae they know where to find you on the internet but I want you to say it again okay so Lavita,
2: I'll have you go first okay so you can find me on the internet at Loca L-A-V-I-T-A L-O-C-A 34, 34 on Instagram and you can find me at LaVita Loca Sawyer's on Facebook that is where I post most of my content and those are the two spaces where I'm most active
1: and you can find me at work with Shanae on Twitter and Instagram
0: Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here. And I mean, I'm probably going to bring you guys back again another time to talk about something else. So let's not even pretend like it's the last time we're going to speak. Like, see you later.
1: Thanks for having us,
2: Jen. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I love this conversation and I'm grateful that you had us on.
0: Once again, I would love to thank Evita and Sinead for being on the podcast, giving this talk about metamorph relationships. Again, like I said, the link to the metamorph Bill of Rights, Metamore Do's and Don'ts, and where you can find Sinead and Evita will be in the detailed show notes, available on monogamishpod.com. You will find a transcript when it's available. You will find a link to listen to the episode there as well. And that'll also link to the YouTube video. I try to keep everything in one place, go me. And that kind of tells you where you can find the video for this episode. It will be up on YouTube, on the Monogamous Pod channel. If you are not a subscriber, you definitely should subscribe today. Just search Monogamous Pod on YouTube, or you can click the link in any of our bios, show notes, situations, just it's, it's everywhere. You can search for that everywhere. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Pod. I rarely remember to post on TikTok, not gonna lie. The clock app is not my favorite thing, but I'm working on it. I'm absolutely working on it. If you want to support this podcast, Financially, you can subscribe to our Patreon. You get bonus content. There's a special Patreon merch. You also get to wear stickers, T-shirts, the whole shebang. Bonus content includes bonus episodes, by the way, including some snippets from episodes that don't get to make it to air. And you can start subscribing and supporting the pod for as low as $3 a month. You can also support us financially using the Anchor support feature because we put this podcast out through Anchor. Just go to anchor.fm slash click the support button, and that could be done for as low as 99 cents a month. That's also crazy. Like, just $1 and you can support the pod. And all this money goes towards paying for the software, paying for the website maintenance, and also paying for someone to help with the transcripts and the transcription software. So just so you know where the money is going, that's where it's going. Absolutely. You can also support the podcast by buying items from our merch shop. That's monogamishpod.theredlist.com. Or you can go to the website and just click the shop button and it will take you directly there. We have mugs, we have shirts, we have books, we have tote bags. I have, I have masks. I have a lot of things. I have a lot of things there. And if you want to just talk to me personally, you can, of course, DM me anywhere MonogamishPod exists. Or you can head over to Have You Met Jen? J H E N, which you should know by now, on Twitter and Instagram if you want to just chat to me about other things like TV shows or romance novels that I'm reading or movies, or yeah, pretty much anything. Like I'm available. You can also do it on pod, but some people feel weird about talking about Everwood on a page that's supposed to be about non-monogamy and polyamory, but to each his own. So of course, I wanna thank everyone for supporting the podcast, for listening to us. Share it with a friend. <laughs> if you think you get something from this podcast, get something from these amazing conversations I have with people, tell a friend about the pod. Have them listen to the pod. Now, of course, if you would please, you can rate us and write reviews for us. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, on Podchaser as well. I think you can rate and review there. And also Spotify now has a rating system, so you can rate the podcast there as well. I would appreciate five stars, but if you think we only deserve to, I can't tell you what to do. I can only suggest that this is a way that you can show public-ish support for the pod aside from obviously telling everyone about us. This one goes mostly to strangers. They'll see and they'll be like, oh, Monogamish Pod. Oh, it's rated five stars. That sounds cool. Let's give that a listen. That's what we want. We want to get in everyone's ear holes where possible. Another thing that I want to mention is that I was on the most recent episode of the Black and Kinky Lifestyle podcast with Bomber and Belle. I will put the link to that in the detailed show notes as well. We talked a bit about some definitions and differences between non-monogamous relationships generally and polyamorous relationships and the overlap that can exist between swingers and polyamory. And I also talked a bit about growing up queer in Jamaica and some of my experiences in the lifestyle there. So check that out. A link to that will be in the detail show notes, of course, and it is under the guest appearances spot on our site. The other thing that I have done is that I have signed up for the podcast Podcast Sponsorship Fund. And so what happens is that you apply and then they choose a winner to get some sponsorship funds for your podcast project that currently exists or an idea that you have that you're working on. And so I applied for a monogamous pod, but I do need your help. And what that means is that I need you guys to write some love letters about how much you love moi, Jen, as the host of the pod and how much you love the pod in general. I mean, you only have 280 characters, so it's kind of like a tweet, but I will put the link to that also in the detail show notes. I would greatly appreciate it again these funds, all the money that you put in on the Patreon, on the anchor support, buying the merch, et cetera, go towards making this podcast that much better. I think that's all I have for you today. Once again, I am Jen, and this is The Monogamous Pod. Have a great day. Happy Valentine's Day, because this episode drops like right before Valentine's Day. So I just, yeah, I felt like it was timely. Okay, everyone. XOXO. Bye.